Hey y'all, welcome back to But Not All at Once, the podcast for people who have to keep reminding themselves that 1999 was 20 years ago, not 10. I'm your host, Ann Smith, and today we're going to jump into part two of our interview with Brittany Bolt, hear about the rest of her surrogacy story, and have her answer all of the questions submitted to us from you via Instagram. She's going to talk about her little hitchhikers, what it was like to hand over the babies that she had carried inside of her for nine full months, how she managed to get the intended parents from New York to Greenville, South Carolina in the nick of time, and if she would be willing to consider doing it again. Take a listen. So I have so many questions from Instagram. First of all, not to gloss over the bulk of a tremendously physically demanding pregnancy. What I remember from having our boys or two-year-olds in the same class at that point is in addition to unending respect for the physicality of carrying twins that weren't yours, I will never forget you getting down on the ground to get Davis off of a nap mat, roll it up, and then trying to, you know, that moment where you think, wait, how do I get up? How is this going to work? How can I get to a vertical position from here? Because this two-year-old is of no help. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing in theory. Like, I want to hand this opportunity to a couple who wants to become parents. Right. When you're in the thick of it, there have to be some moments where it's a lot. There definitely are. There were so many times um, throughout the pregnancy where people would come up to me, and I already told you I don't accept compliments well, but some people were just overly, oh, you're an angel. I cry just thinking about what you're doing for this family and these people. I just, you're, you're a saint. You're going to get your wings in heaven. Was Matt happy to disabuse them of any of those notions? <laughs> Probably, but that made me feel very uncomfortable because I just want to give a quick plug to the Enneagram really quick. If you don't know about Enneagram, you should take it because it's so eye-opening. It's a personality test with, there's nine different types of personalities. I just want to tell you that I am a seven. It means that my biggest desire is to be happy and content. My biggest fear is of being bored in life or missing out on something. And my key feature is that I'm obsessed with a need to constantly fill myself up with excitement and experiences. In my mind, I was doing surrogacy because it was something I always wanted to do. It was an exciting adventure. Not many other people could say they'd done it. It was this adventure. That's the best way to describe it. And I felt so selfish when people would call me an angel. Did it ring hollow and just feel like you don't really get where I'm yes, coming from? Because at the same time, I I do love to see other people happy. I'm the biggest cheerleader for the underdog. I want, especially watching my best friend go through infertility and plenty of other friends go through infertility. I wanted to help. I truly wanted to help. It was something I felt like I was called to do, but I also felt like this is just this awesome, exciting adventure that I've always wanted to do and I felt like selfishly I'm doing it because I wanted to do it not to be some saint and so when people would constantly praise me for that it felt yeah and rang hollow like I thank you but I'm doing this because it's something I wanted to do right (laughs) which I would hope because that's a whole lot to commit to if your heart (laughs) is not 100% in it so when you're with your children first of all two it's hard enough to explain to a two-year-old that he's getting a baby and it is his baby (laughs) yes How do you talk to a four-year-old girl who would probably have kept one of those babies if you'd let her and a two-year-old boy about this whole process? So it was actually easier to talk, to explain to my children than it was to explain to adults. All I had to say was mommies grow babies in their bellies. 
And some mommy's bellies don't work. And so the doctor is going to put a baby in my belly and I'm going to grow it for Mandy. Then I'm going to give it back to her. And literally Mary Tyler was like, oh, that's it. In her mind, that makes perfectly. It wasn't why, 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 why? It was, oh, she can't grow a baby. So mommy's going to help her and then give it back. It was literally a breeze to explain to them. I mean, they kick and move and I would be like, oh, you want to feel the babies move? And she would feel and think it was good. And then she would say, send Mandy a video. Like she, she got it. She got it. She knew it wasn't ours. She knew leading into it. Davis was too young to really know anything, but leading into it, I would say when the babies come to the hospital, you're going to get to come see mommy and we'll see Mandy and Mike. And we're going to, we're going to send the babies home with them and we'll get to visit them sometimes. And she was, oh, she was totally fine with them. Uh, Mike and Mandy got her an American girl doll. They and now it, they're best they friends. to the hospital <laughs> and she was like, this is the baby I get to take home. She I don't need that real baby. Yeah. She knew from the beginning it wasn't going home with us. It was very easy, very easy to explain it to kids. Now, when I got pregnant with Baylor, that was not easy because she's like, did the doctor put it in you? Because that's what she knew. And I did. This is a separate discussion. We'll have at a later time. Thanks for asking. Mm -hmm. So at this point, you're pregnant. You're on the floor rolling up that nap mat like a champ. You are hoping that people don't praise you too much because it feels weird. The biggest question we got on Instagram for you which I understand, but I know enough from seeing you from afar go through this experience. It seems a little silly because I heard you refer to them as your hitchhikers so Mm -hmm. much. Mm -hmm. So many people wanted to know emotionally how this process worked for you. How I didn't get attached, how I gave them back to their parents. Which mentally, I mean, none of this was a surprise to you, but you have been through this before and all those hormones say, hold me, kiss me, celebrate. What's that look like? So let me start off by saying Mike and Mandy are Persian and Greek. I knew from the get-go, it's not like they're going to come out looking like they belong to me. But the main thing is you're going into this doing IVF, watching Mandy in the room while they're transferring those embryos to me, just grasping her rosary, praying, tears falling down her face. From the moment they went into my body. (laughs) I can't even hear about this. From the moment they went into my body, they never felt mine. If that were me on that table and it was me going through IVF, it's me saying the prayers. Oh my God, please let this work. Please let my baby come to fruition. Let this be a thing. I'm watching her do that. Right. So even the second I started showing, the first time I felt them kick. How did you include her? Because obviously it was so clear in your heart that these were not your babies. Yes. But they don't live here. Any of that. The second I was showing, send her a picture. The second a pregnancy test, send her a picture. The second I felt a kick, call her. Oh my God, I just felt them kick. You're so, oh my God, they're getting bigger. I can actually feel it now. Like, and she gets the emotion from that, not me. So when you're pregnant with your own baby and you feel a kick the first time, it's your own excitement and just anticipation of what you're going to get to hold one day and what's going to be yours. And it was me just wanting to hurry and tell her that because I wanted her to get to experience it since she's not feeling it physically. It always was back to her. So the second those babies came out of me, they literally didn't see their son born because they were over at Ariana's table looking at her and my immediate, I'm like snapping on the, (laughs) on the operation table saying, wait, look, she came out. Like, it was never about me wanting to experience it, me wanting to feel it, me wanting to see it. You're a placeholder. Yes, absolutely. They were. We were in that Jay-Z and Beyonce suite at the hospital. By the way, someone said I referenced Beyonce in every you episode. Do, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize I was such a fan. She's just so deep down a part of me. Yeah, no. So now we We know. were in there, and they were 
I was in the bed part, the bedroom part. They were in the room with the pull-out couches with the babies, rightfully so. And I could still hear the babies crying at night. I could still hear what was going on. Okay, wait, let's back up. So twin pregnancies, never a smooth road. I mean, no. you never have a, a twin pregnancy that mm-hmm. shows up mm-hmm. easy peasy at midnight on their 40 week No, mark. nothing could have prepared me for it. Nothing. As you approach knowing, you know, your third trimester, knowing the parents of these babies live many states away, mm-hmm. it's going to take some work and planning. We don't want them here too early. We don't want them here too late. How did that last segment of the pregnancy go? Was there bed rest? Was there planning? Was there, obviously there's significant amount of discomfort for one. I'm sure two is. So I already told you at 26 weeks, I felt like they should be born. I felt like how I felt at 38 weeks with a singleton. And And Mandy was like, please no. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Please no. Keep them in as long as you can. My hips hurt. Everything hurt. I was done at 26 weeks and I knew I had to make it to at least 36. Actually, my doctor told me at their practice, the most common for twins to be born between 34 and 38 weeks. So in my head, I was counting down to 34. Like, just make it, just make it. Just make it. I made it to 36 and two, by the way. But towards the end, at one one day, I just had this weird twinge. It wasn't a bad pain. It wasn't a contraction. Something just felt different. I went to get checked. They told me I was about three centimeters and I needed to go to the hospital. How this far along were you? 32 weeks. 32. Poor Mandy probably had. Which is not the biggest craziest thing you've ever heard for a twin pregnancy, but it's still not ideal for them to come yet. So I went to the hospital. Uh, they told me I was in active labor. I got on magnesium. I actually was like 0.5 whatever away from having magnesium poisoning because they gave me so much magnesium. I was like, it was very, very bad. It was very traumatic. That's not a comfortable process. No. And I thought I had had magnesium before when I went into preterm labor with Mary Tyler and it was kind of annoying, but not the end of the world. So I had told Matt to stay home with our kids. I was there by myself. It was very bad. Um, And after that, luckily, they were not born, but I got sent home on bed rest. So I was on bed rest from 32 weeks to 36 weeks. This was bed rest, meaning light bed rest, not strict. So I was able to like walk to the kitchen and pour juice for Davis, but I couldn't like, I didn't need to go to the grocery store. I didn't need to be out driving around. You couldn't really live your life. Right. So do you get extra help at that Very point? Very gen- generously pay for a housekeeper and a babysitter at that point if I'm on bed rest. So I got help then. And then I had them at 36 and 2 or 3, so a few days after I got off bed rest. Wow. That's that's a whole lot. So as you approach 36, do they are you a scheduled C-section or are you no. going to try? No. no. So you're going to try? As long as baby A is head down, mm-hmm. my practice will deliver both even if baby B is breached. So Perfect. The whole time, they would check every time that baby A was head down. She always was. I think I had just come to terms with it's twins. It might not happen. They might flip. I might have a C-section. It is what it is. I never worried about that. I don't know why because with Baylor, I just always worried about my my third own pregnancy. But with them, I was just like, it is what it is. If it ends up being a C-section, then okay. But luckily, it didn't come down to that. Ariana was head down. She's baby A, and she came out. And then my doctor said, let me try to see what he's doing. And she reached her hand up there and said, oh, he flipped. I've got his foot. She's got him by the ankle. And she said, we're just going to have to deliver and breach. Give me a little push. And I will never forget, she pulled him out by both of his ankles upside down like a duck hunt. (laughs) 
And they didn't even see it because the daughter was out and they were overlooking at her. So, yeah, we, we skipped ahead there, but that's what happened in the delivery room. And how did you even get the parents there in time from North? Yeah, so let's go to that story as quick as I can tell it. Basically, I went to the movies with Matt on a Friday night. My ankles were the size of giant softballs, and they came, became like that out of nowhere. They were not gradually like that. So I called the doctor. They said, go to the CVS and take your blood pressure. I went. It was okay. It wasn't too high. They said, if you have any headaches tomorrow, just go to the hospital. We'll check your urine for protein and we'll check for preeclampsia. The next day, it was a football Saturday in America. I just literally laid in bed watching football day, but I kept having bad headaches. And that was one thing they told me to watch out for. So I told Matt, I'm going to go to the hospital to get checked out. I went by myself. I did not take a hospital bag. I did not take anything. I honestly thought they would say yes or no, and I would go back home. That's how it always works. Yes. Because, well, honestly, for as many times as I have been to triage and gotten sent home, like, I was sure I'm getting sent home from triage. So I just took, like, my giant Sonic cherry limeade, and I just went up there and was like, I'm going to watch the Clemson game, which was at, like, a 7 o'clock game, and I just laid in the bed. And lo and behold, the doctor was like, you don't have any protein but we're let me just check you and see what you're at because you are contracting a little and I was like "Mm, I've been contracting for like the past month so whatever and she checked me and she goes oh you're a six you ain't going home my friend and I was like I I was literally y'all y'all don't know I was ecstatic because the week before they had told me that one of the babies might have too small of a belly and that I might need to deliver at 37 weeks which I was ecstatic about And then literally the day before this, I was at the doctor and they're like, oh, the babies look great now. You don't have to deliver till 38 or 39. And Mandy obviously is (laughs) thrilled at that. And I'm like, oh, I will never forget. I called Megan bawling in the parking lot. I have three more weeks left. They might not take them till 39. I can't do it. And she's like, something's going to happen. Those babies are not going to stay in. It's going to be fine. This was also the Saturday before Thanksgiving. I had been telling Mike and Mandy all along, might want to come sometime. If, lo and behold, those babies come near Thanksgiving, we're going to be stuck at the airport. Right. You might not get here. Like, it's going to be crazy. So why don't y'all just come on down and stay? But So the plan was always for you to have the babies here. The plan was to have the babies here, and the plan was that they would come down sometime around Thanksgiving just to be safe because they didn't want to get stuck and not be able to travel. Mm. The doctor tells me I'm six centimeters. She says, technically, you're not you're not 37 or 38, whatever it is, weeks yet. But at six centimeters with twins, I really don't think you should leave. But I can't keep you unless you're seven. And she's like, so go walk around. I want you to do squats. I want you to jump on the stairs. I want you to... And I'm literally lunging, hard lunging to the food court. CrossFit. Eating a Subway. I will never forget eating a Subway and doing deep, like, ballet squats and... Megan, my doctor friend, who was being my care partner at the time because Matt is at home with the with my other kids because I'm thinking I wasn't staying there. And she's like, first of all, you probably don't want to eat. You might have to have a C-section. Like, second of all, you're about, your water's about to break. She was freaking out. She's an Enneagram 6. She was freaking out, and I was just like, no, I am staying here. Long story short, I called Mandy and was like, look, I'm 6 centimeters. You're in New York. I'm here. What do we do? Let's get here. I don't know what to tell you. She's like, well, are you have." I don't know if I'm having them, but I'm pretty sure that Dr. Gamble is not going to let me go home at six centimeters with twins. So I get back to the room. She checks me a long, hard check and says, okay, you're, you're a seven. You can stay. So we call, I call her. I'm like, I'm a seven. I'm staying. I'm here till I have the babies get here. And she calls me and she's like, the first flight we can get on is in the morning at 8 a.m. And literally the doctor's standing there shaking her head like, 
You can't. You're seven centimeters with twins. You've had two babies before. Like this is, they're not. I had already mentally prepared for that because I knew they're being as far away as they are. There's a good chance they might miss the birth. But in my head, that was always such a big part of this, a hyped up part of this for them to see their babies being born into the world. And I really wanted them to be here for it. And that was definitely a God timing thing because what happened is three emergency C-sections came in the night. They didn't do anything to help progress me. They didn't break my water. They didn't give me Pitocin. They were like, just chill and let's pray. Nothing happens because these other emergencies have come in and the parents aren't here yet. So we're just not going to touch you. And their flight got delayed, but they still landed about 10 a.m. My brother picked them up from the airport. They got to the hospital around 1130. I think the babies were born at 130. So they got there. Amazing. They got in their scrubs and they got... Was she a hot mess crying the whole way there? Because I think that that would have done me in. She has nerves and anxiety, so I don't know that she was crying. She was probably crying. I think she was definitely just wanting to make it and nervous and the flight got the like I can't imagine trying to make it on time for my child's birth. It was I'm sure it was a lot, but she made it. They made it. They definitely saw Michael born. I kinda had to snap their attention. I mean, sorry, they definitely saw Ariana born. I kind of had to get their attention to see Michael because he came out a minute and a half later. And a lot of twins, there's right, a, a lot, lot of time in between. Sorry, I'm stretching my arms out like I'm showing her how much <laughs> so time. So much time. So Matt is with you for the birth. Mm-hmm. How different an experience is that then? Because that immediate feeling after you have a baby, it's unbelievable relief. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, because the end of that labor was really the only part that hurt for me, and the only part that I was like. So you were comfortable while you were waiting for them to get there. Yeah, but I remember them wheeling me because you have to have twins in the operating room in case anything goes wrong. And I remember them as they were trying to wheel me there. I was saying, "A head is out. A head is out. Somebody stop and look." And the (laughs) doctor's like, "No, it's not. I'm telling you, like you're you're crowning, but there is not a head between your legs." And I was like, "Yes, there is." Like I was freaking out. I've seen the movies. I know how this works. It hurt. It hurt really bad at that point. A lot of pressure. And I was like, get them out. Granted, they were... Were you meant... Did you have an epidural at this point? Four... Yes. Four pounds, 12 ounces, and five pounds, two ounces, which is a lot smaller than my eight pound Davis was. But only the very like last hour was really uncomfortable labor-wise for me. Okay. So tell me their sizes and how old they were again. How, how far along they were gestationally. 36 weeks in two days. Ariana was four pounds, 12 ounces. She was baby A and Michael was five pounds, two ounces and he was baby B. And they were healthy and happy and did 100% well? 100% okay for being basically four weeks early and tiny and they didn't even need NICU. They went straight to the room. They actually went home before me. So where we backed ourselves up earlier in the big suite, I needed a blood transfusion because I was already anemic most of the pregnancy and after the delivery they were just like, you're going to feel a lot better if we do a blood transfusion. So I actually stayed longer than they did. I posted a picture when they left and I'll never forget. I probably got 15 text messages. Oh my God, are you okay? I just saw they left. How are you feeling? First of all, if I would have been feeling sad, that really would have rocked my world to get all those messages. Second of all, I was, I was like so happy. I was like, I did what I came to do. I have fulfilled my purpose. My friend Brady brought me a giant Bud Light lime to the hospital bed, which I never would have been able to drink if it was my own kids. They left and they'd been crying and stuff all the time before. And I was like, I get to take an Ambien. I get to drink this beer. I get to go to sleep and not wake up to nurse in the night. Good luck, Mandy. I was thrilled. Yeah. And Mandy and Mike stayed in a hotel room for a week with two newborns, which I cannot fathom doing. 
but they didn't want to fly them on a plane yet and they didn't want to drive 11 hours. So that's what they did for the first week. And there was a lot of communication with our pediatrician needing to go help. Megan went and took a rectal temperature one night, I think. Like there was a whole village involved in kind of helping them through that first week. So they're kind of green villains yeah. in some little sure. way. They stayed at the Hampton Inn above the Lazy Goes. Great. Little downtowners. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So yeah. the emotions in that labor mm-hmm. and having that baby, the tremendous relief. How do you look at those parents? Because just the thought of what they must have been feeling in those moments. Mm-hmm. Were you able to experience that as it unfolded? Because there's a lot happening in your physical person. I think so. I got to witness their emotions the entire time and they were never, they never fell short of letting me know how much I meant to them, how immensely grateful they could never put into words how grateful they were and they made sure they told me that all of the time I still get cards from them she just sent me a Sephora gift card for Mother's Day like it's still the gratitude is just gonna pour out my our entire lives because that's the type of people that they are but yeah I think I got to pause for a few moments you know that I just disconnected from the physicality for a minute and watched them just how every first-time parent is in pure awe and just pure joy. I mean, they waited so long to get this. They were 40 and 42 at the time, I think, and they'd been deciding if they were even going to pursue surrogacy in their 30s, and then once they decided, it was still two or three years after that, and it was a long time coming, and now, not only did they just have a baby, they had a son and a daughter. Like They had the American dream. They had it all out one time, and... It's a lot of change at once. Yeah. I was thrilled for them. It's still very hard for me to look at them, though, and think, I grew them. I did that. That's who was in there the whole time. When I see them on Facebook, when I see videos of them, it feels like I'm looking at Chapman and May. Like, it right. feels like I'm looking at my friend's kids. It does not feel like I They don't that. feel more attached to you no. than other. You know, Matt and I, I went to see them when they turned six months old. I went to see them. Matt and I went up for their first birthday. And then I just recently was there in March. So I guess they're maybe two and a half, close to two and a half now. And they just act shy like any two and a half year old would that doesn't fully know you. Mandy is very, very much wants them to call me Aunt Brittany. And she says, Aunt Brittany, Aunt Brittany, Aunt Brittany to them. And they'll like smile and kind of come to me and give me a hug. But for the most part, it honestly just feels like this is my friend's kids. It doesn't feel any sort of attachment or. And now you're just lifelong friends. Absolutely. I'm picturing this delivery room and I see Matt at your shoulders. Mm -hmm. What's that like for him? I think Matt, as soon as he saw them with the babies, he cried and he cried. He's not ashamed for me to tell you he cried. He's as soon as we had kids, he turned into a giant crybaby teddy bear. (laughs) But he cried, I think, for the same reason of what I was witnessing, witnessing going back to when Mary Tyler was born and the emotions we felt to finally have our first baby and We didn't even go through half of what they went through to get there. The time and the money and the emotions and the hope. All of it. We both just literally had our heads looking backwards at them and seeing them. I mean, just pure shock and awe and joy. And he cried. And I think he just said, I'm so proud of you. And that's just what it was. I cannot hear a person (laughs) tell me they're proud of me (laughs) without crying about it. I know, I know. Here's this person who married you, not really remembering that this was your dream, got on board, Uh was beside you and through bed rest and hospital stays and all of that. You and I both know having children uh, of our own, the magic does not end in the delivery room. Mm -hmm. So recovery, when you don't have a baby, got lots of questions about, for instance, your milk coming in. What did that look like for you? 
So actually postpartum was a complete shock to me because I, with Mary Tyler and Davis, I did not have what I think was postpartum depression, but I definitely had baby blues. With Mary Tyler, I would cry every night when Wheel of Fortune came on and Matt would call it the Wheel of Fortune blues. I don't know why. It was like at seven o'clock every night, I would just cry. Um, with Davis, same thing, just my emotions were all over the place. And that was one of Matt's biggest fears because he's like, I don't think he thought I would miss them, but he's just like, you're postpartum with no baby to be seen. And right. are you going to be... You don't get those snuggly hormones that come out, all those good chemicals. No, it was hardly anyone else, unless you've been a surrogate, can understand because no one's has ever given birth to a baby and goes home and gets to sleep. And Matt took the kids for literally a weekend and I just laid in bed and watched Netflix and slept. Like that doesn't happen for a new mom. No. 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 So it felt completely rejuvenating. I'd had a blood transfusion, so that had already pepped me up. Yes, my milk came in. My pediatrician, who's also a great friend of mine, she was a huge help um, to Mike and Mandy in that first week. The only thing she asked of me was, please give them breast milk for a month because they're a month early. They're tiny. I know it's a lot to ask of you after you've just carried twins for these people, but if you can pump for one month for them, it will give them the best start and it will really help them grow. It will give them some immunity. If there's any way you can do it, do it. So I said, if that's all they're asking me, I can do it. It was hard to wake up and set a timer when there's no baby to be seen to be like, oh, I got to wake up at 3 a.m. and pump. But it just felt like the right thing to do. It just felt like I was finishing out my task. I'd already come this far. And now I'm going to help them. And you shipped it up. So I would freeze it. I would pack it. I would take it to FedEx. I would get a giant cooler. I would ship it up. I only shipped it three times. So like they left when they were here for the week, I gave them as much as I could to make it up there. They would supplement if they didn't have enough. And then I would wait till I got a full cooler of it. And then I would ship that. And so they really probably had it for the first six weeks of their life just because of the way that I shipped it. But yes, I pumped for them for the first month. That's tremendous, especially that time of year, getting all those good antibodies. And you have to accept that compliment because you can't even try to position this as like a fun adventure. Right. Ain't nothing about pumping that is a fun adventure. And that, they were born November 20th, so I pumped literally during Thanksgiving and the Christmas season. So it was like Christmas shopping, oh, gotta stop and pump. Or Christmas party, oh, gotta go pump. And Yeah, that's hard when it's not your babies and you're not even seeing them and you're not even, especially I think twice I got a pretty bad clog that could turn into mastitis and there's no infant to be seen to help get that out. So the things that I had to do to massage and heat and try a different pump and hand compress and all of these things just to get a clot out because I'm like, can't one of my best friends have an infant around here that I can latch onto me? Like nobody I knew had a baby at that time. Bless my friends. Most of them were like, I swear if I had an infant, I'd let them. I'd do it for you. I'd do it for you. (laughs) But I didn't. None of them did. And that was, I, yeah, until you just brought that up, that was probably just as hard as the last trimester was. And then having to dry myself up. I mean, it's just a lot. But I really felt like this is what they need. This would be so good for them. They're tiny. They're living right next to New York City. Give them some good stuff and I'm I could have burned some calories. Yeah, 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 that too. But I could have looked at her and said, "I no, I can't," and she would say, "Okay, right." But she gently nudged me to do it, and I did it. And it was a month, and I no surrogates that went on for the first year. Wow! And I was like, "A month is what I got, and that's what you're getting." And they were they were 
very thankful and grateful for that. I'm sure that they were because that's huge. Yeah. And you then you start six weeks, you know, month, six weeks later, you start 2017, mm-hmm. brand new year. Mm-hmm. You're kind of getting your body back. But do I remember that you had surgery? <laughs> yes. So yes. your body hates you. So I had diastasis yeah. recti. Maybe it's diastasis. Whatever it is, your ab muscles are separated. Mine were separated about three inches, maybe four. Holy smokes. Um, I went for my six-week postpartum visit, and my doctor said, you're going to have to get this repaired because this is too far apart for it to come back. And I said, well, who repairs that? And she said, well, some of us can, but if you have know a plastic surgeon, that's basically what goes into an abdominoplasty or a tummy tuck. So if you would like to just get it, not only get the abdominal muscles fixed, but get rid of the loose skin. You can do that all at the same time. Um, yes, I would like that, please. Meanwhile, my father-in-law is a plastic surgeon. So I said, actually, my father-in-law is a plastic surgeon. And she was like, bing, bam, thank you, ma'am, go. Like, go to him. So I went and I asked him if he was like, yeah, I can do that, no problem. So it was kind of a no-brainer, but it was March in... Four months after I'd had the babies and I asked him, was that too close? He said, no, he could still do it. But he did say that my abdominal wall looked like a dirty dish rag and the fact that it had lots of little thinned out holes instead of just being like right down the middle. And he had to do a lot of enforcement in other places. That surgery (laughs) recovery is probably the hardest thing I've been through ever. Forget the twin surrogacy. That surgery, that surgery recovery is a nightmare. Am I, was I proud of the results? Yes. Would I do it again? I don't know because that was so bad. So if you're thinking about that, just think on it, do some research. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot. And I'm sure Mandy and Mike were, I mean, how do you even have words for someone who's still putting their body back together? I mean, they, months later? I think they felt like, I think Mandy felt some sense of like, oh my God, like we did like my babies did that to you. And it wasn't all of them. I had just had, I've had my own two kids. And then after that surgery, I had a third baby. So, so how long after surgery did you get pregnant? Oh, I see. I had surgery in March of 2017. I got pregnant with Baylor exactly a year later, March of 2018. And did you know, cause I thought you thought you were done, right? Oh, I thought I was done. Right. 100%. And then I was like, mm, maybe we'll just see what happens. And we actually got pregnant in January. I was kind of shocked because we got really excited and then I had a chemical pregnancy, but that made us realize we want yeah okay we want to do this and then we got pregnant with with Baylor in March and now I'm for real done people ask me all the time once they see that you have more than two children Mm -hmm. they're like so you're having 40 right Right. yeah you're done what do you mean you're done actually she Dr. Gamble is who delivered the twins she said you don't you mean you're done with surrogacy and I said I'm 99.9% done she goes oh so you're saying there's a chance and I was like 0.01% chance that maybe I would consider it again, but I, I, I don't see that. I think my body's done with pregnancy, but I get questions a lot. I get, it's kind of like, Oh, the community surrogate. I get a Facebook message. Hey, I know you did this before. My friend's looking for someone and I'm kind of like, Oh, I just had a baby. I think I'm off the market. I'm not up for rent. Now, are Mike and Mandy, is their family complete? I think so. The last time I talked to her, she's, you know, they have two embryos left, um, but they live in a three-bedroom, small, high-rise apartment that's overlooking Manhattan. They actually live in New Jersey. and um, Three both, bedrooms is pretty big in that corner of the world. It is, but if you went in there, their mother-in-law lives with, Mandy's mother-in-law with, lives with them. 
And both twins still sleep in the bed with them. They have yet to get them uh, to stay in their own room. So I think for now, with twin two-year-olds in their bed and a mother-in-law in their house, I think they're... I think they're good right now. I do think Mandy would absolutely give those other two embryos a chance if she says, one, if she had the money to do it all again, and right. two, I think the twins would need to be a little older for them to kind of be so prepared for that. How can we support someone who's going through surrogacy as an intended parent? Looking at what Mike and Mandy needed, what what you saw in them, what you wanted to do for them as a friend, and how obviously how can we support someone who's carrying a baby for someone else? Although I imagine that that's a bit more rare than someone who's seeking an, a gestational surrogate. I think the hardest part for the intended parent is relinquishing control, and that doesn't mean to say that the intended parent is a control freak. That means that the intended parent be it the mother or father, doesn't get to grow their, their own baby. They don't get to feel the movement. They don't get to... The stuff we take for granted. Honestly, make the decisions of what medicine they take and what supplements they take. I mean, it was recommended to me to take a prenatal vitamin. Mandy wanted me to take about seven different supplements just that she thought. And I did because that's what she wanted me to do. Did my doctor think it was necessary? No. Did I think it was necessary? Probably not. But she did. It's her babies, and I'm going to do what she wanted. And I think a lot of times, even my friends, even people that had met them and loved them would say, they're being too controlling, or that maybe you should just tell them. It's very hard to put yourself in intended parent's shoes, and that's what I was talking about earlier. Like, I would just have to completely disassociate from myself and say, what if that was me? What if I had no control whatsoever over my flesh and blood that's being carried 10 hours away in another state? It's hard. And I think as friends of intended parents, if you were, you just got to offer very kind encouragement and support instead of any like, well, when I was pregnant, this or this is what I did during my because it's technically they already feel a little bit of an emptiness because they're not the one who's pregnant. And I think you have to be really mindful of that and just to offer support and encouragement and make them feel as included as they possibly can instead of separated, you know. It's a different experience. Yeah. Did they have a baby shower? Yes. Her work people threw threw her a baby shower. I think had I lived closer, I would have gone, but, um, that's a, that's kind of a weird, that's kind of a controversial topic in the surrogate world because people will be like, is it you? They threw this, they throw a baby shower and the surrogates like they're giving her presents and she's like, "Mm, mm, the baby. I'm just a guest. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And in some of them, they'll be like, they'll give the surrogate a massage gift card for afterwards and they give the mom all the baby stuff. But yeah, that's kind of a, but maybe that's something kind that you can do for intended yes. parents is just connect them any yes. way you can to the baby. Yes. For people who have questions, mm-hmm. who want to talk to you, who want to learn more about what you've done, where can they find you? Oh gosh, you can you can call me. You can ask Anne for my number. <laughs> you can. I will not give you her number, but I can definitely you can definitely find her on social media. You can media. find me on Instagram. My handle is Brit Bolt B R I T T B O L T. So my YouTube channel, I think it's just youtube.com slash Brit seven eight six. You can watch my surrogacy journey from start to finish, and it's pretty pretty cool and pretty funny. I'll make sure we put the link in the show notes yes. too, so people can find it there. Perfect. One last thing: what would you tell someone both who's considering 
carrying a baby as a gestational surrogate and someone who's at the end of some medical diagnosis or infertility path Mm -hmm. where they're looking at finding a surrogate to carry a child for them? I would just say you want to match on as many levels as you can. There's some surrogates, there's some IPs that want you to only eat organic. There's some... Are they are they paying for your all organic food? That's a possibility. Yeah. There's a lot of things that some people going in as the parents want to make sure you're not going to eat meat or you're not going to eat, you're not going to, I don't know, obviously you're not going to drink alcohol, but you're not going to do just all kinds of things. You're not going to take medicine. You're not going to, there's so many things that you need to line up on. And I think that some matches, especially if you're caring for a friend or for someone, you know, a sister-in-law, a cousin, that can be. That's loaded. mm -hmm. And so think it's very important to have some sort of contract or agreement in place beforehand if you're not going through an agency to make sure that everyone is clear and everyone is understanding going into it what to be expected instead of just being thrown in and caught up in the excitement and I'm going to do this for you and then then it's a disaster yes so I think the most important thing I would tell any of them is to make sure that whoever you're matching with be it the surrogate side or the IP side that your values align and that you have a lot of agreements up front. That's a lot to chew on. (laughs) I am hopeful and I imagine that a lot of folks will find your channel and dig into the videos, especially if they're considering being on either side of this kind of thing. But I'm so thankful for your time. Absolutely. And hopefully folks were able to follow along with my addled brain (laughs) and the timeline of the story that had me jumping all over. Sorry we jumped all around. But yeah, one of the YouTube videos is called Gestational Surrogacy FAQ. And it's literally probably all the questions you got sent on Instagram. and Maybe in order. It's all kinds of questions that I got asked whether... From a friend, a grocery store, whatever, and I tried to answer as many as I could. What I told my kids grocery about it, what I, how I was going to give them back or give them away. That's what most people say. How are you going to give them away? But I'm giving them back to their family, right. not giving them away. Well, take a look, folks. You'll find it there, and we'll have all the links for you below. That's it for today's But Not All at Once. Thanks so much for joining us, y'all. I hope you'll subscribe because we have a lot to talk about this season, and I don't want you to miss a single story. If you love what we're doing, would you consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts? It would mean the world, like more than a porch drop of a large Chick-fil-A sweet tea with pellet ice. It's a big deal. Come join the conversation at But Not All at Once on Instagram or email me directly at butnotallatonce at gmail.com. As always, I'm Ann Smith, and I'll see you right here next week. Bye, guys.